0: Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm new button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God. In your life and we hope and pray that you find that in this message. We have entered into the month of February and there is really a lot to love about this month. You know, we've got We've got the Olympics going on right now, which personally I'm a huge fan of the Olympics. I love watching curling. I know, like some people, it's like it's like bowling, kind of boring to watch. I love it. I love the Olympics. We've got the Super Bowl coming up next Sunday, which is what's not to love about that. Uh, you've got Valentine's Day right after that, so this is your friendly reminder not to forget to get your partner something for Valentine's Day. Uh, for students, we February usually means there's some snow days or some. Some e-learning days, which is not quite a snow day, but it's, you know, it's better than going to school. And, and students actually got three of those just this week. There's a lot to love about the month of February. But by far, I think that the thing that we love most about February is we finally get to fail at those New Year's resolutions that we set last month, right? You know what I mean. The, the treadmill gets to return to its natural state as a dust collector slash clothes rack, right? Um, That empty spot in the fridge where the the soda used to go, when you used to be able to put soda in the fridge and now it's been empty, it finally gets to have some soda back in it again. It gets filled again and then it gets emptied again when we drink it, right? Uh, We finally, we finally get to empty out that swear jar and buy ourselves a giant pizza to devour all by ourselves. There's a lot to love. It's a beautiful thing, giving up our resolutions. And if you if you haven't given up your resolutions yet, then I want to congratulate you because you are in the minority of people who actually follow through, who actually stick to it, who set goals and they meet the goals that they set for themselves. And that's awesome. And I want to encourage you to keep going because that's awesome. And you deserve to be encouraged and and. Uh, and praised for your efforts that you've been making this year. But if you have already failed your resolutions, congratulations, because you are normal. Uh, Because statistically, most people already have. In fact, 77% of people fail their resolutions. They tried the whole new year, new me thing, and they decided that old me was pretty cool too, so we're just gonna stick with that one for a while. And if you didn't set any New Year's resolutions this year, then congratulations because you uh, you have saved yourself from the guilt and the shame that is associated with resolutions because, like I said, most of them fail. And that's the problem with the resolutions and the goals that we set for ourselves. Most people start off really, really strong at the beginning, and then they lose some momentum after a few months or maybe weeks or maybe even days into their goal. Now, this church has a podcast that we put out every other week called The Other Six Podcasts, and to start off 2022, we are looking at some different areas of health in humans. So we're talking spiritual health, physical health, mental health. We've, we've challenged ourselves and others to look inwardly at ourselves and to evaluate how healthy we really are in these different areas, and then to make this the year that we do better, that we get healthier, that we grow in our faith, or we, grow, we get stronger, whether it be physically or mentally, emotionally, relationally, all of those things. And then if you're interested in looking that up, it's called The Other Six Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. But I'm not bringing that up just because I want you to listen to that, which, which I do, uh, but that's not why I'm bringing it up. I mention that because... As we're talking about these things on the podcast, I can't help but notice that these goals or these resolutions or these motivations, whatever you want to call them, the most that they can do is make you a better person or maybe a healthier person or a stronger person, maybe even a a smarter person depending on what they are, but none of them can make you a new person. It doesn't matter how disciplined you are, how many goals you set, how many self-help books that you read, or how many podcasts you listen to, none of us can make you a new person. And the truth is that you and I don't have the power to change ourselves into a new person. That's just not in our cards. On our own, we cannot bring any actual transformation. But the good news as Christians, is we believe in a God who can and who in fact already has. When you walk into the front doors of our building right here or when you sign on to our website or if you go to our YouTube channel or if you open up our app, any of those things, the very first thing you should see is big letters spelling out experiencing God transforming lives. And we put that there because we believe that God has the power to transform lives. And our goal as a church is that everyone who engages here will experience this transformational power of Jesus Christ. Because at the cross, Jesus did something for you and me that we can't do for ourselves. Through his death and his resurrection, he provided a way for us to be new people. And so by the time we're done here this morning, my goal is that you will feel challenged, that you will feel motivated, and you will feel encouraged to do this one thing. Here it is. Live the life that God has created you to live. Let's start with Scripture. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this book or this letter was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Christians living in the place named Corinth. And Paul is writing this to encourage them and to challenge them and to remind them of a few different things, such as what it means to be made new and why that matters. And these words had huge implications back then, and they are just as powerful for us today. And as many of you have read this passage before, as we read it today, I want you to pay close attention to every single word. Don't skim past some of these important words that you think you know just because you've heard it before. Here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 15, or 14 through 17. For the love of Christ compels us, since we have reached this conclusion, that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who should no longer live for themselves But for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. If we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet we no longer know him this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. There's a lot of uh, key words in this passage, and we're going to look at a couple of them. First of all, words describing death or dead or passed away, those appear five times in these three verses. And that's a good sign that we should probably pay attention to it because anytime you're reading scripture and you see the same words show up over and over again, it's a good sign that you should tune in and listen to what that word is trying to say. Paul says that Christ died, and therefore all have died. In other words, Christ's death has killed these sinful versions of ourselves, and he did this so that in our new life, we don't live for ourselves what we live for Christ. I looked up this word died. Sometimes if you look up Greek, you can get some different images uh, of what this word actually means. So I looked up the word died in the original language. It turns out it means dead, as in like, like dead, dead, you know? Uh, the most literal definition that you can think of for the word dead applies to this verse, And that's important because as real as Jesus' death was on the cross is as real as our death is to our old selves. It is dead. It is buried. It is a thing of the past. It is vanished. It is no longer here. So Paul says, the old is dead, and see, the new has come. Let's look at that word, new. Paul doesn't mean new as in like an upgrade. It's not trading in your iPhone 12 for an iPhone 13 kind of new. This isn't dropping 25 pounds and a pant size kind of new. This isn't getting a promotion at your job kind of new. It's new in the sense that a fundamental change has taken place at the core of who we are that starts on the inside and works its way onto the outside. It is a complete transformation that happens as a result, not of human effort, but solely by the transformational power of Jesus. This passage says, The old is gone for good, dead, and in its place the new has come. What a great passage that is to remind us of who we are, that as followers of Jesus, we have been made new by God. Let's look at a few different ways that this transformation has actually taken place. First of all, this passage tells us that this transformation means that we have become a new person. That's exactly what it says in verse 17. Uh, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new person this means that if something or this means that something has fundamentally changed in our identity at the core of who we are our physical our outward appearance is going to look uh, probably the exact same it, it's probably not going to change which is really unfortunate for those of us who would really like for that to be transformed this morning but that's not going to happen you are no longer the same person you used to be the old is dead the new is here it's a change that's on the inside it affects the way that we live on the outside remember our challenge is to live the life that God has created you to live. But some of us need to be reminded of this truth, that we are a new person because some of us have forgotten who it is that we are. And so we begin to live like something that we have not been created to be. Listen to what Paul says about this in his letter to the Colossians uh, in chapter three, verses nine and 10. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. Now, Paul is talking specifically about lying here, but I think that we can apply the same truth to just about any sin. He says the reason we don't do this anymore is not because we might get caught. It's not because the pastor says not to. It's not because your parents say not to or because God tells you not to. It's because it's simply just not who you are anymore. You have taken off the old self and put the new one on, one that is free from slavery of sin. Our identity has been changed. The old is gone. What would change in you if you started to embrace this truth? What would happen if we all started living like the person that God has created us to be? And it's going to be really hard for some of us to see because we have bought into the lie that nothing has really changed. We believe that we're the same person as we were before worthless, hopeless, helpless. We look into the mirror and we see things that we don't like. We listen to the lies that Satan makes us or tells us and makes us feel like we don't live up. We believe that we are bound by our past mistakes and by our present addictions. And we can't see a world in which sin isn't in full control. But the truth that we need to hear today is that Jesus died so that our old selves would die so that we could be made new. We no longer stand condemned. No person can condemn you. Jesus does not condemn you. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit in Christ, or of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And what that verse means is that you are no longer a liar or a cheater or a victim, or an addict, or a screw-up, or a sinner. None of it. Those are no longer who you are. It's not your identity anymore. You are a new person, which means it's time for us to start living like the new person that we have been created to be. Think about how these fake identities have held you back from living this truth. It's time to let go of them. God does not define you by those words, and you shouldn't either you are new. Let's start living like it. Let's get a little bit deeper. Not only does God transform you into a new person, he transforms you and gives you a new perspective. Let's look back at verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 5. From now on then, We do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we had known Christ from a worldly perspective, we no longer know him this way. What is a worldly perspective? It means we stop looking at people just through the lens of race and ethnicity or things that we see on the outside or things that define a person by a human standard. Instead of thinking about people in terms of Jew or Gentile, Paul began thinking about people in terms of their relationship with God. Instead of focusing on what people eat or drink or say or do, we focus on the newness that Christ has made in us. God changes our perspective. We no longer see the way that we did before, and over time, this impacts a whole lot more than just how we see things. It affects our relationships, our values, our morals, the way we spend our time and our money. We see life through a new lens, a new perspective. Let me give you an example. Think back to when you were a child and you didn't understand any of the rules that your parents had put on you. These rules were not fair, they were just mean, they only did it to make your life miserable, they just wanted control over your life. You remember these days. And then, as soon as you became a parent, you started understanding things completely differently you were given a new perspective as an adult, and you finally understand why your parents did some of the things that they did to you, and you also learned how, from how those things made you feel as a child, and so you have that perspective as well, and you can grow and become an even better parent and train your child to do the same. There are different moments in our lives when we are given a fresh perspective on something, and it completely changes the way that we see certain things. And the same is true for us when we have experienced the transformational power of Jesus. When a person begins to follow Jesus, God starts to change their perspective to see people uh, and life through a new lens. Not so much that you see life through your parents' eyes, but rather you start to see the world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. The lens of the Word of God. It changes things. It changes how you think. It changes how you see people. It changes how you love people. It makes us think and see and act more like Jesus Christ. And I believe that the rate at which this transformation happens is directly related to the uh, time that we spent with the Lord in His Word, the time that we spend in community groups, and the time that we spend serving others. The more we lean into this life that God has created for us, the more we are transformed into the new person that God has created us to be. And this is exactly what Jesus did for Paul, someone who used to persecute Christians. Listen to how his perspective began to change after he met Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. But everything that was gained to me, and right here Paul is talking about what he has gained by being a Pharisee. His position, his power, his respect, the money, all the things that he gained from being a Pharisee. He says, I have considered those things to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of them, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I consider them as dung so that I might gain Christ. Some translations use, instead of that word dung, some translations use the word garbage instead. The original word can technically mean both, but it's much more frequently translated as the way that it is here uh, to mean and I don't mean to be lewd or or rude or crass, but it means poop, okay? It's in medical journals from back then. Scientifically, this word means poop. Again, I'm not trying to be graphic here. I'm just trying to help you see how strongly Paul actually felt about this, because Paul did experience the transformational power of Jesus. And Paul had an encounter with Jesus, and after this, he was never the same as he was before. And keep in mind, Prior to meeting Jesus, Paul wasn't like an outlaw, right? He wasn't a Satan worshiper or a serial adulterer. He wasn't even like a Cincinnati Bengals fan. None of those things. <laughs> he wasn't any kind of evil, over, or overly evil person by this world's definition. In fact, he was a teacher of the Old Testament, the same Old Testament that we read today. Paul was respected for his devotion to God and to the scriptures. He studied the Bible every day. He taught the scriptures. He, uh, he enforced the Jewish law to a T. But he hadn't met Jesus. And as soon as he did, his perspective changed and he realized that all of that was actual crap compared to a relationship with the Savior. That's his words, not mine. He was a new person with a new perspective, and God has been doing the same thing in other people ever since. Here's an exercise for us. Think back over the past several years of your life and really think about how your perspective has changed. Think about how God has changed your perspective What are some of the ways that you have grown? That you now see things more clearly and differently than you did before? How has God revealed to you a new way of thinking? Now think through in what ways you think your perspective still needs to change. This is a lot more difficult, but it's necessary. What are areas where you know that you do not see things through a biblical perspective? but through the lens of your own personal life or maybe even a worldly lens. This step requires extreme humility to admit that we don't always see things or people the same way that Jesus does. But the sooner that we can identify ways that our own perspective needs to change, the sooner we can start being more in alignment with this new perspective that God has given us. So we've seen in our passage today in 2 Corinthians 5, it has shown us that Christ has given, made us a new person. It has given us a new perspective. Let's look at one more thing here. Verse 15 of this passage says that Jesus died for some so that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for the one who died for them and was raised. In other words, we have been given a new purpose. This verse is uh, our mission. It's no longer just to be about our needs and our wants. We have a new purpose in life to live for the one who died for you and was raised. There was a man in the 18th century named John Newton. Okay? He was a British slave trader, which means he made money by capturing, selling, and buying slaves. And in 1748, John Newton was asleep on a ship. And he woke up to find this ship caught in a severe storm and about to go down. And he thought that he was going to die. The boat was sinking. This was the end. The storm was raging. All hope was fading. And so he did the one thing that he could think of to do. For the first time in his life, he prayed to God and asked for mercy. Mercy. The definition of mercy is to not be given a punishment even when one is deserved. And John Newton knew that his actions deserved to be punished. And he believed that God was punishing him for being a slave trader. And so he prayed for mercy in this storm. And as he did, the storm began to let up. And it was on that day, on that boat, that John Newton took the first steps to allow Christ to make him new. A few years later, he retired from the slave trading business, and he later wrote a book. And here's a quote from his book. A confession which comes too late. It will always be a subject of humiliating reflection to me that I was once an active instrument in a business at which my heart now shudders. After this, John Newton, who was a slave trader, began instead working to abolish slavery. His encounter with God on the ship gave him a new purpose. And it's possible that you've never heard the name John Newton before today. But here are the words from a song that he wrote after having his purpose renewed. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. was blind, but now I see. Did you catch that? Was blind, but now I see. God transformed him. He gave him a new perspective and a new purpose. Christ saved him, and he gave him the confidence to fight slavery instead of being an active hand in it. And what God has done through John Newton, and what God has done through Paul, and what God has done through countless other people who have experienced God and had their lives transformed by him, I believe that God is doing in each of us today. God loves to take old things and make them new. And in us, he has created a new person with a new perspective and a new purpose and to to live the life that God has created us to live. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared ahead of time for us to do. You and I have been transformed in order to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. And so I want you to ask yourself, and I mean to really ask yourself, what new purpose does God have for your life? How is God calling you to live the life that you were created for? Maybe a next step for you is to join a community group or to find a way to serve this congregation by joining a ministry team. Maybe it's simply to find more ways to devote daily through scripture and prayer. Maybe God is calling you to use your sphere of influence to glorify God, to show God's transformative love to people that he has placed in your life. And if you do need help figuring out how to live the life that God has created for you, I really do recommend you listen to our podcast that comes out every other week called The Other Six Podcast. I am biased, but I do think that it's a good resource that can help us live this transformational life, not just on Sunday mornings, but on every single day of the week as well. Let me wrap up with these final encouragements. If you have already put your faith in Jesus, I want you to know and to remember that you have been made new. Jesus says the old is gone and you have been made new. And today God is calling you to act like it, to live the life that you were created for, to stop acting like the world, stop acting like nothing has changed. Be the new person that God has created in you. He has given you a new purpose to live out, so go and live it out. Your faith doesn't end when you leave this church building. Commit. Now, to being the person that God has created you to be. And if this doesn't describe you, if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus, not yet experienced the transformational power of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you today to begin thinking about what Jesus wants to do in you and through you. He offers forgiveness. He loves you no matter what. He is reaching out to you right now. I believe that. I believe that right now God is speaking to you. If you want to talk to somebody about what that actually looks like and means, if you want to talk about how to put your full faith in Jesus and be transformed and renewed by Him and to take that step today, come talk with me after the service or go to our website and click that Connect With Us button and start that conversation. If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.